Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Upside Downcast with me, Gary, and I'm joined as always by Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Gary. We had already recorded our thoughts on episodes six and seven, but unfortunately, it only recorded Matt's voice. Someone would say uh, that was an improvement. Yeah. No one here. I, I, uh, I blame Hawkins Lab. I think that was a uh, thing. And then you went into hospital for a week and they were sort of operating on you. Was Paul Reiser there? Might have been. I, did, I didn't see him. That would have been very spooky if he was. In the last episode, we talked about three, four and five. And we kind of split it all down into the storylines and who was involved. But in these episodes, what Stranger Things did was they obviously knew we were going to do that and said, oh, no, 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 no. None of that. They gave us two very distinct storyline episodes. Episode six was called The Spy, um, mm. and in it, I mean, Will, as we saw at the end of the last episode, um, collapsed after um, the team from the lab started flamethrowing the crops that had sort of almost yes. taken Hoff's life. Paul Reiser explains it is there's like a hive connection between everyone yeah. who's got the virus all the carriers, which do include Will. Um, there's a great scene in the hospital as well, because uh, Winona Ryder is wanting to know what is happening to her son and and wants proper... Well, basically wants to take him to a proper hospital, not like this. Yeah, security. Not security yeah. And there's a great scene with her where she goes in and like, you know, what are you? Are you proper doctors? And she just says, can anybody tell me what is actually wrong with my son? And I thought she was excellent in that. And actually, I don't know if you saw it. I think it was sort of circulating on Twitter last week. There was a picture and a story by Winona Ryder when she was young and she sort of looked sort of tomboyish. And she oh, yeah. did look really like Will. It is really good casting if you go back and have a look at it. And it seems his memory is going as well. He's, you see these scans, he's, he, like the shadow monster is taking over his body and his memory is losing. He doesn't recognise Bob. Uh, he struggles to recognise Hopper. He does recognise um, Mike, uh, but it, it, he says, oh, it takes him a while, doesn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, I know it's... you, my friend. 
He yeah, he kind of goes, yeah, it's a bit like me and names. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of, you know, sort of that kind of, yeah, I know it. But, you know, I think as well, they do a lovely job. I mean, we're, we're still holding out for whether Bob is good or evil. I know we've both got our theories I'm going to be that. heartbroken if he is. There is that moment when he doesn't recognise Bob and you're thinking, oh, but of course you realise that it's to do with Will's memory, not the fact that Bob is some sort of, you know, demigorgon agent or something. Um, and, and there is a lovely moment, as you say, in, in the hospital where Paul Reiser's character authorises this little test they cut off a piece of the vine and, and get an oxytenoline torch and start burning it to see about Will's reaction. And you do begin to see this kind of human side of Paul Riser a little bit, mm. where the more they start to do and the more they say, oh no, we need to do with this, the more Paul Riser's like, there's a kid involved, you know, well, he's... Uh, it's yeah. a bit later, isn't it? But you see the beginnings of it in the oxytenoline torch test. All the other doctors are like, no, let's just kill him. You've yeah. got to think about the, the town as a whole... And then Will says, well, you know, through my visions, I've got this, like, a thing of the tunnel where the demigorgon is. And he says, here is where he doesn't want me to see. So they sort yes. of plough into, you know, the, the tunnel that they've been going in and things. And Will's in bed, Mike's there, and he's basically saying, you know, I, I'm sorry that I did this. And yeah. he, 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 you know, they got him mad. He's basically this shadow monster once again has taken over Will and Will has yeah. deceived the people at the facility and sent them on well, a it, chase that will end their lives, basically. It, it's interesting because, of course, I can't remember if it was episode four or five, but they were talking at, in Will's bedroom about the fact that they're a spy inside the shadow monster. Mm. And, and, and of course, this episode called the spy is that the, the shadow monster is using it against them. Will um, is a spy in the human world, basically, now. He's yeah, lost so much well. identity. And basically, Will insinuates that the whole town will soon be sort of taken over by sort of demigorgons. And one thing we did notice as well, and I brought this up when we recorded before, but um, we were saying about Mike not really being in the episode all that much, and um, it's because I think Finn Wolfhard was in the It remake in the cinemas recently. And I yes, think after the first couple of episodes, he hasn't had anything to do since there was that scene with Max and the skateboarder and Eleven coming to the school. Since then, yeah. he's basically been kneeling next to Will while he's in various beds. And, and I think we now know why he's there. He is the one that tries to get into the lab, isn't he, and stop yeah. them, you know? So he says Will it's is a trap, saying... it's a trap. And, and putting fire to your theory, fire, interesting. Um, nice. Bob is the one who's holding uh, Mike back from going in, isn't he? Well, I think yes. the gods stop him and he keeps trying to go in and then Bob's there sort of holding him back. So, mm. And one more thing we should say as well is that Hopper is trying to contact Eleven, isn't he, as this is going on. He goes back to the cop car and he's trying to... Yeah, the, he's using the Morse code. He, he, he believes that she's in the house, uh, which, of course, we know he, she isn't, which is very interesting. You know, it, 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 we said before that Hopper is the adult version of, of, of our eyes, you know, mm. in, in these episodes, you know, he's the sensible one. And, and we've talked a lot about, you know, he, his involvement in this situation. And, and I think it's important to remember that he was originally introduced as a grieving parent. He's grown that affinity for Eleven as his replacement daughter. Yes, yeah, like um, sorry, good daughter. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think he's playing that. I think the actor is playing that part really well. You really get that sense of, you know, I pushed you too far and I didn't realise what it would do. And, you know, he's, 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 he's sorry. I suppose that's mm. the main thing. You, Jonathan and Nancy quickly, because that's... Yeah, because I know you don't like this. So I know you don't like the, the budding, will they, won't yeah. they, have they, have they, have they. I find romance. them a bit dull. I'd certainly Jonathan. I think neither of us like him, the actor. So. We, we left them in a kind of a quandary at the last time uh, where they'd been to the house of 
Murray. Uh, and he's the conspiracy theorist that we saw back in episode one talking to Hopper. Uh, overnight, they packaged up the tape that they'd agreed to do. Uh, they agreed to sort of scale down the conspiracy and had um, sent it off to uh, the Chicago Sun-Times and the New York Post and the Washington Post and all those papers. And then Murray does this kind of quick psychoanalyzing. So he, he, he guesses that they're together and they go, oh, no, no, we're just friends. And Murray does this great little human sort of uh, psychology bit, doesn't he? He goes, oh, you've got mm. problems with your dad and you've got issues with trust. And it's a great funny little moment. Uh, yeah. As we've said, Stranger Things has this ability to have these horrible horror moments with these great sort of touching sort of like little little moments of humor uh very well and 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 he gets it right and they basically have a couple of encounters during the night don't they where they it was kind very of... screwball comedy-esque it felt like something in the 1930s that you could have seen yes. like Clark gable and and claudette colbert or irene dunn and carrie grant i i liked it i know you're not a huge fan of this story oh, but i did well, like I, it i, I... like I like this more than I did like them when they were doing the whole sort of conversation thing going in the lab and stuff. This this was a bit more lighthearted. They go back to um, Will, their, Jonathan's house, see that uh, all the stuff that Will has been drawing, all the stuff Bob was trying to work out what it was. Mm. And they see that the um, the facility government people have been in and have taken pictures of the... Which you had a problem of. Have taken well, yeah. I, of the, the pictures. The, the, it's not like... They need to tell anyone they've been in their house. They could have just said, "Look, we need to go and get the the, the, the drawings. Is that okay?" And I'm sure we're showed them the drawings. Yes, after that, didn't they? They showed yeah. them that they take pictures. But I, I it, suppose the only thing that is because it, it when when Jonathan comes back, he's like, "What the hell is this?" There is that kind of like moment well, he, of, "I've obviously missed a few things." Yeah. Uh, so it may be, but I didn't like the fact they took photos of pictures that they could have just picked the pictures up and gone. The plot point is that they took these pictures. With a Polaroid, Jonathan finds like a Polaroid disposable yeah. film on the floor and probably jumps to a different conclusion than the one that obviously we know about. And that may be sort of carry on to the next episode, well, episode eight. Yeah. And then we go to um, where we picked up sort of like with Steve and Dustin. He obviously, Dustin harangues Steve out of like um, Nancy and, and Mike's front yard, gets him to come back to his house. Dustin's yeah. trapped him in the um, dart in the like uh, hurricane shelter, and uh, threatened. And Steve's gone down with his like baseball bat with the with the spikes, and yeah. all he finds is like a skin. So Dart has come out of the skin we previously saw him in, and yeah. has now sort of evolved again. They're trying to lure him out. They're trying to get. They're getting to like a junkyard. They're putting down like luncheon meat. While they're doing this, it's a great like interplay between them. Dustin saying the reason he didn't tell other people that he still had Dart was that he wanted to impress Max. Steve goes on about you know the best thing to do with girls is ignore them, and then they you know they they are interested in you. And then yeah. pause, and then he goes, "Oh, I use Fabergé organics, and then when my hair is damp, <laughs> I put Farrah Fawcett spray in it, and I love that." And it sort of lightened the character of Steve a bit because he's been another one where it's all these sort of teen characters that I find. Yeah. And in the first series, he was a bit, you know, he was a bit of an arse, really, wasn't he? And he... Well, he, he's very much the jock, you know, he's the, yeah. he's the hunk that everyone wants to be with. Like you, uh, Gary. 
just like yeah just exactly like me and, and and i suppose the thing is is that you're slowly seeing him removed from those roles and of course now he's broken up with nancy he's kind of you know mm. and it, you know you see him hanging around the I house think... with a bunch of flowers as well the insinuation what, is no. the relationship with nancy has sort of softened him and he's yeah. sort of more caring about and obviously after this sort of attack that happened in season one he's sort of changed his outlook on life a little bit Whilst this is going on, we get like Lucas finding out that Dustin from his sister that Dustin's been trying to contact him, yep. and he finally gets him on the walkie-talkie and tells him that they're going to the junkyard. Lucas sees this as a good way to sort of finally prove to Max that yeah, what he's told her in the previous episode is real. So he manages to get her out of the house past her stepbrother, and we do like in the interim of them sort of because what happens then is that they try and sort of reinforce this bus that's in the junkyard for when yeah. the demigorgon finally takes the bait max and lucas have this sort of little heart to heart where we learn a little bit about her i mean she was living in california with her mom who remarried the dad of, of the, the stepbrother that you were talking about and yeah. there was something going on with her dad that made them have to move to california as a result, like the stepbrother now is basically taking the fact out that he had to move on his new stepsister. And yeah. there's a nice little moment, you know, uh, Max and Lucas hold hands. Dustin, I mean, I think by this point, Dustin's sort of gone off Max a bit. He says like, he doesn't really care about it now. He's more focused, obviously, on, on the case in hand with Dart and stuff. I think he realises, perhaps in this episode, that, yeah, as you say, if it's a competition, then Lucas is definitely winning. They basically try and get um, Dart up to the van, but they realise Dart's holding back. So Steve... Well, Dart, Dart's very much in the shadows, isn't yeah. he? You, you're, you don't see the full outline of Dart. You see just kind of like this movement. And Steve quite rightly says, you know, it's had enough of cow meat. Basically, he, he kind of realises that they've drawn it to this area, but it doesn't want to come any nearer because it's, you know, it's, it's had enough of what it's got to get. So he decides to put himself forward and, and, and step out with the bat. And he walks very slowly towards the, the, the area where it is. And at this point, you still have no idea really what, of what Dart is. You're still thinking, you know, what size is it? What, what you know, what mm. temperament is it? And it's at this point that you get the wonderful scene. Lucas is doing lookout on the top. And suddenly, as Steve is sort of, you know, peering into this fog-like stuff, it's another demigorgon. Mm. And at that point, we see that there are... Well, I, I counted about five, but I'm, not, I'm still yeah, not sure. He was surrounded, basically, wasn't he? Yeah, That's the thing. Surrounded and by these fully grown demigorgons now, which Dart is one of them. They're surrounded by all these demigorgons trying to, you know, get in the bus. They're trying to get yeah. in the roof. And then suddenly, they all evaporate. And that is because... They've gone That's to, yeah. you know, cause havoc at the facility and, and take it out on, as you called them, the Star Trek red shirts. And I think much. I think that is a great moment because you, you, you get that you are you're you're with them in that bus and then all of a sudden they're gone and it's like, OK, so all this action builds up. You've got like, you know, all the people being killed. You've got these lot in the in the bus. You've got Jonathan and Nancy. And then, oh, no, we're going to put the action on hold for an episode so we can go to Chicago with Eleven. And when we last left Eleven, she was uh, she was with her mother in in the home. Now, where, did, where did we think that was? I mean, obviously that can't have been that far away from Hawkins because she got there by by bus. Yeah. She? Oh no, she, oh, she, she got the hitchhike. She got yes. to Chicago by by bus and back right. again. Eleven has been using this kind of blindfolded uh, sort of mind, almost like mind melding thing, which you compared to the uh, the film. You said this film where under the skin. Yeah, uh, which the style on, of it. Um, it's on my well, list, as they say. The style of it is like under the skin in terms of like everything goes black and you just see 
Eleven and whoever she's trying to contact in this yeah. space. And she sees the other girl um, that we saw in her very first flashback with her mother when her mother was reliving all these situations when in, in the rainbow room um, or the, this. Well, yeah. it's not a rainbow room. It's a room with a picture of a rainbow on it. But her mother, because she's only <laughs> speaking in sentences, is sort of, you know, bringing she's not up speaking these very... in sentences. She's speaking in single. <laughs> she's well, that's right. Yeah, she, she's 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 a little bit under it. Well, uh, she just goes rainbow. Some it's a bit like me. With left, hospital, it's a bit like me in hospital on Thursday. Were you doing you. that? It's a bit, yeah, I was doing you... it. Yeah. She sees a vision of where her. Well, she, she calls him her sister. We've got no idea whether it's actually her sister, do we? Basically, I think we get the impression that the lab has been abducting all of these children. Like, with, for example, with Eleven, Jane was yeah. taken from Terry. Terry was told, oh, no, there was a complication. You've lost the baby, even though she always knew. She is number 11. She's got the 11 tattoo on her. But there was another, before her, another 10. As we saw at the very opening scene of this season, yes. number 8. Is, is Callie. Uh, Callie, who we saw taking part in a bank robbery. Uh, Eleven does another sensory deprivation thing with uh, Callie's picture, finds out she's in Chicago. This feels like a different episode because the, yeah. all the score is slightly different. The way it's filmed is slightly different as well, in my opinion. This is allowing Eleven to find herself. This is her teenage rebellion stage, I think is what we call it. And we even get the, uh, the hairstyle and the makeup. Turns to goth, basically. Doesn't it? Eleven yeah, turns goth. goth. And this is the only part of the, the series so far that I've not had a lot of love for was the speed in which she finds. I mean, they've only got nine episodes. But the speed in which she found her mother, the speed in which she found Callie, yeah. just doesn't sit well, this with Callie quite thing right. Didn't really need to happen at all, really. I mean, mm. we get to we get to Go Chicago. On. We find Callie is sort of in like almost like a sort of Fagin's gang of runaways. You've got like a Mohawk punk guy who keeps calling Eleven Shirley Temple for some reason. You've got the big sort of bruisy black guy who's sort of got like a really sort of soft-spoken temperament, yeah. and then there's the the sort of de facto leader of the gang who's this woman with an afro who keeps staring out the window. We learn that Callie has got um, powers where she can make people see things for yes. a short period of time. So, so uh, her, her when... introduction was very yeah. interesting, wasn't it? Oh. It was the, the, the punk is, um, is kind of, as you say, teasing and taunting uh, Eleven. Or sort Jane. of saying, you know, what what is it you're doing here? Yeah, he calls her Jane at this point. Yeah, well, she, 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 I think at this point she's going by Jane, isn't she? Yeah, that's right. And I think it's very interesting that, you know, th there is all those these two sides to her. When she's exploring herself, she's Jane. Hopefully when she's back in Hawkins, she will be back to being 11. Is he waving a, a knife in front of her, I think? Uh, or he's certainly intimidating yes. her. Yeah, he's, yeah, I think and, you're right. And, and Callie makes him see spiders, which is mm. his weakness. Crawling over his hands and stuff, isn't he? But it's things we don't see, which is very interesting. You don't, They don't really need to sort of do the whole, you know, we see what they see. Yeah. Uh, but, it's just he reacts very, very violently, you know, towards it and backs off. The big thing coming out of this, I suppose, is that we get the insinuation that all the kids that were operated on or tested on at hawkins lab had different abilities yeah so or the, or they came from people who had these abilities because we got the impression that terry because we saw her with the nosebleed has yes. has got the similar abilities to 11 but callie in, instead of sort of trying to find her own family has instead 
sort of taken a life of crime, as we saw at the beginning, and her and this gang are hunting down people who've wronged them. Mainly for Callie, it's the people who worked at the at the lab. We weren't quite sure because it, it, it you know it was it was over a week ago whether these were people that had wronged Callie or whether this is people that had wronged the group. But certainly, the only interaction we had was someone who had wronged Callie, and they go after. This guy was called. Was he called the Electric Man or something? Or well, he 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 had a name. Yeah, but he but... he was the ele- he basically was at the lab. He was the one who administered electric shocks to um yes, to, all to the Terry. Well, no, to Terry. Oh, was it to Terry? Uh, maybe to the children? But in the in Terry's flashback, we saw her getting like electric therapy, didn't we? we oh, saw that's her, true. Yes, and yes, it yes. Was, it was Matthew Modine's character who appeared briefly here was saying to this guy. I think it was Ray, the guy's name. That's it, yeah, Ray. Go to 450, and that's why she keeps saying 450 in her sort of carousel of words that she has. 450 is one of them, because Mm. Ray turns power to 450. And again, Uh, Eleven uses her sensory deprivation to sort of track down Ray, and they find him, and and that's the sort of set piece of the episode. They go to Ray's, and um, he basically tells them that Brenner, the Matthew Modine character, is still alive, and he can help them find them. Eleven can't bring herself to do the old sort of Vulcan death grip. Meanwhile, the other members of the gang have discovered that uh, Ray's two daughters are in the house. And and, they've called the police. And they've called the police. And uh, basically, Eleven can't do this, so Callie draws a gun, is going to shoot, and Eleven knocks the gun out of her hand. And then they sort of scarper before the police arrive. So you get this great scene of the police all surrounding the warehouse, coming in with lights and guns. Uh, and and what I think was the best set piece in this this episode was that uh, Callie uses her abilities to make the police not be able to see her and the gang, only temporarily, uh, yeah. uh, as we get to learn. But you get this uh, great scene where you get on the left hand side, you've got Callie and the gang being visible to themselves with all the police walking through, and then on the right hand side of the camera, the police walking through the same scene without anybody in it. I think that's a great little directorial scene. Very clever. And then she builds like a wall between the police and the van, doesn't she? Which I yeah. I, I, I thought was a nice little uh, retro reference to Tetris. Yeah. Although they didn't play the... If any kids are listening to this, they'll be lost. Tetris was a game that you basically built lines with. Using yeah, it, it doesn't have any um, any add-ons and you can't buy special no. powers, I'm afraid, no. so a bit, bit dull. The gang sort of escape Eleven sort of torn because she's seen visions of Hoffa. Oh, yes. At this point, she's seen that she's replayed the voicemail message, as it were. Mm. Uh, from well, hasn't Hopper. she gone back into the sensory deprivation to see what's going on with the people in Hawkins? I'm not and... sure why she did that. Maybe you're right. Maybe the scene with Callie made her think more yeah. about Hawkins. Yeah. So, yes, I'm not sure how the, the, time, the sees... terminology of it. But... The two bits she sees are Hopper on the, on the speaker and then Mike doing that it's a trap thing. So she's seen that they're in trouble, so she's drawn to wanting to go back and help them. What do we think of this episode as a whole? Because it has been very divisive. It's been critically panned a lot of places, but then there have been some sort of... Um, well, I, th- I think, I, I, from my point of view, I was intrigued at the, right at the beginning of the series by the scene with Callie that we got right at the top end of the show. So it did bring in that idea that there are more of them. And as we know, there are four series planned of this. You know, you've got lots of scope for more people. So I think it was good to revisit the Callie character. I, I didn't like the speed in which she got there. And I didn't really get a chance to get any of the characters. No. You know, they, they were, were just this very... hot potch of, of, of people, which, 
you know, the punk, the, the you know, and it, it just didn't seem and to they gel were cool. at all. They had names like Funshine and Axel and Dotty. Yeah. Really annoying. It, it and and the, I thought the performances, possibly apart from Callie, were all very generic. I didn't, I didn't yeah. like them. I thought they were very wooden, the actors. If it kind of gets Eleven back to Hawkins, which mm. is what it obviously seems to be doing, then I think it was worth it. And if it shows her, her abilities certainly improved during this episode. You know, she, she's able to, she sort of to do more. She sort didn't she? Yeah. Uh, so I think it, it helps in, in Garnet doing that. Um, you know, if she's the one that's going to come and save the day, then then certainly you've, you know, you've got a more powerful weapon on, on the side of the good, uh, I've read uh, which a lot they definitely need. I've read a lot about this episode in sort of terms of, like, as I say, the divisive nature of it. Yeah. A lot of people have criticised it because it's so, um, why does Eleven need to own her powers? You know, like the first series, you saw her flip over a blooming truck, for God's sake. Well, um, yeah, yeah. True. And, and there were a lot of rumours that originally it was going to be cut. Some people think it was sort of the Duffers trying to almost set up like a spin-off with this gang, which I hope they don't. No. And they've also come out and said this was almost like the uh, a sort of reference to Empire Strikes Back, where Luke, if Eleven yeah. is Luke of the series, Luke goes to train with Yoda, and this is sort of like the learning about herself. She mm. is not like Callie. She's not motivated by hatred. She's motivated by the need to be with her loved ones who are now Hopper and Mike and the rest of the gang. Which, which again, is, is, is reminiscent of the scene in Empire Strikes Back. He sees his friends in danger and heads off before his training is completed, which I suppose is, as you say, is that, you know, Callie was bringing more out of Eleven. It was all very hurried, very rushed. If they were going to do this, I think the best thing would be have this little bit of Callie at the beginning of each episode, like we had her at the beginning of the first episode. Yeah, give you more of that storyline. But uh, it to me just didn't feel like Stranger Things. I think that's the biggest thing about it. It didn't, uh, even though Eleven... Although to, uh, to be fair, like though, it things. did try and make itself different. I know you weren't a fan of the different scene, the no. different pacing and mood, no. but at least they said, OK, we know this is different. Mm. You know, we're not going to try and replace the Stranger Things feel. We're going to keep well, they it did. separate. They did, replace it. They, they did replace it because yeah, it but they didn't there. Yeah, but they didn't try and, try and replicate say, it. Yeah, replicate, replicate it. it. Sorry, yes, yeah. they didn't try and replicate it, yeah. I suppose, is the thing that yeah. I was saying. Grade them, Gary, go. go Grade them. Six, episode six, I really liked. I'm going to yeah. give that a straight on B. I really liked all the, 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 the 80s movies references. I liked the, 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 the horror movie elements. I, I liked the, the, Why the, the, B, the though, end Gary? scenes. Uh, B, because I still feel like there was some clunky dialogue, particularly mm. between... Uh, 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 yeah, and, and, and I still think, I, although I like the Lucas and Max stuff, I don't really know where that's going. Yeah. I did like the fact that we got a bit more of Max and her backstory, so that, that's why I think he gets a B rather than a B minus. I think B plus for me. Um, I really okay. liked all the stuff with Stephen Dustin. I liked all the stuff in the facility with Will and things like that. And I thought it moved at a good pace, and okay. set pieces all were really good. Almost an A minus, but. As you say, there's certain clunky things in there. And and episode seven? I'm going to go with a C minus. I think you went slightly higher last time. I went slightly higher. And I think upon reflection, upon yeah. upon sort of thinking about the episode again week. and, and discussing, yeah, it, it, it had a chance to digest. It almost is actually, for the first time, and I've often said that I think Stranger Things is something you have to concentrate on, you could skip episode seven and I yeah. really don't think it would make a difference. We'll only know when we get to the end of the series, which we're probably both going to do very soon because we've been holding the off night. for a week. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether episode seven has any impact on episodes eight and nine. 
and C- for me as well. Thank you for rejoining us here on the Upside Down cast. You can find us on Facebook uh, and Twitter and iTunes, basically by searching for The Custard TV. Although we do have separate Twitters. Uh, Matt's is... At Matt's TV Bites. I'm at The Gary Show. And uh, we look forward to talking to you about the final two episodes of Series 2 very, very soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.